That's right. The name of the uh, show, the podcast is This American Podcast, Comedy Edition on Comedy Schools Radio Network.com. We kick off the first podcast of the year with two, count them, two interviews at 9.30 a.m. The very funny Eddie Ift, who we've uh, had the pleasure of meeting in person, seeing a show, and speaking with uh, uh, on the podcast before. Uh, Eddie Ift will be at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy all weekend. You're looking for fun, uh, fun things to do here as the holiday uh, winds down and the year winds up. I'm going to suggest Eddie Ift at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy. Uh, we're getting a call. We're going to take it. We're going to see what's happening. Here we go. Hello. Tony. Yes. Eddie, how are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Fantastic. Ladies and gentlemen, on the line right now, uh, speaking to us live in person from uh, parts unknown in the greater Phoenix area, is the very funny uh, comedian Eddie Ift, who is appearing at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy this week. Uh, two shows tonight, two shows tomorrow, one show Sunday. Am I correct? That is correct. And I love that you called my bed parts unknown. <laughs> so we now have established that you are in your bed. Yep. <laughs> All right. And perhaps in, in, in that bed are parts unknown. So uh, yeah, exactly. uh, it's been, uh, I think we spoke with you um, a year or so ago. Uh, you came yep. into our uh, palatial studios in Scottsdale. We had a uh, wing dang doodle of a time. What have you been up to since then? Fighting fires. Say that again? Fighting fires. Fighting fires. Yeah. Oh, that's right. You uh, Don't you live in Malibu? Yeah. That's right. Up in the mountains above Malibu. Right, it all broke down. And uh, it was pretty exciting. It was sad. Can I, can I, by any chance, ask you to sit up in bed? We're having, uh, we're getting, we're getting a little. Uh, you're right in that spot. I know that condo, and that condo has hot spots and not spots. <laughs> Is that better? That's better. Now you're like in a hot spot. We can, we can hear you clearly. Well, our heart goes out to you. Um, as you know, we spoke uh, for many years. Uh, I had a uh, a place I was able to share uh, on the beach. Right. Yeah. Right. right uh, that's why I brought it up. Yeah. Right by Moon Shadows. Uh, we haven't been there since the fires, but you were you were up there uh, in the in the uh, hills of Malibu, right? Yep, yep, yep. It was uh, it came pretty close. Um, surrounded our neighborhood. Didn't luckily none of the houses in my neighborhood went up, but, but uh, it surrounded it. It certainly is a shock to the system when you're watching your uh, environment change in such a fluid way. Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you agree? Oh, yeah. It was insane. It was apocalyptic. Um, but we had enough time to get out and, uh, part of me was, you know, I was like, all right, I, I think I can handle this, you know, like, uh, I'm, I'm prepared mentally for it because I was even living there and, you know, we got the computers and the documents out and I was like, okay, I think I can handle this. My wife's a hoarder, so I was kind of hoping, you know, to shed some of her shit. <laughs> but, uh. But then, uh, then we had enough time that she kept sending me to get stuff out. And once I got all her stuff out, I was like, oh, I don't want to burn now. <laughs> you know, it's uh, <laughs> that's a funny take on it. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to lose our stuff. Then again, she's a hoarder. That's how we get rid of this yeah. stuff. But it is an odd decision to make. I, I had been under mandatory evacuation many years ago. I had a place uh, up in the hills. 
deep in the hills, uh, you know, with no, no houses around me uh, per se, uh, in Chatsworth, where Topanga Canyon ends. At oh, the north. yeah. And uh, a huge fire came through, and I think, man, this, you know that this is a long time ago, and it wasn't that long ago to me, 2003, uh, a fire came through. It burned to my doorstep. The fire department saved, was able to save it. But when you're in a manager, they go, you got to go. You got to go now. And then you have to make some important choices about what's important. Yeah. You know, you, and, yeah. Th- and then you realize, you sit around and go, all this other stuff is really superfluous and I'm still paying for it. Right. So, yeah. Right. You know, you start to, you know, you know, we have two dogs and I have to think about which one I wanted to take. Yeah. <laughs> Big dog or little dog? Which one came? <laughs> no, they, they, they were first in the car. They were like, all right, we're out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had frogs at the time in like a terrarium. Those were my pets, and I go, all right, I got to take the, I got to take the frogs in uh, a pocket. What's my that? Buddy does frogs. Buddy uses frog fecal matter as fertilizer for marijuana. Apparently, it's really good. See, I did not know that, but I would tell you that the uh, um, whole time that I had those frogs, they were quite happy. Yeah. <laughs> I go, how can they be so happy in that small enclosed glass space? And they're like, we're good, man. We're good. We're just sitting on a rock. Maybe, maybe. There were, just, there were frogs all over my house, like all over my yard. It was pretty weird. I mean, there was like a flood of frogs at one point. And I was talking to my buddy who lives in the street. I'm like, hey, you know these frogs? He's like, oh, that's my fault. He's like, I've been kind of raising them to, uh, to get their fecal matter so I can use it as fertilizer. Like, oh, oh, my God. Like, I'm going to start selling the fecal matter. I was like, oh, well, your business does well, but it's like an invest in that one. Isn't that, that's what makes America great, that a guy can be sitting around and go, I'm going to make my fortune off frog shit, and then he does. Yep. Yep. That's stunning. Hey, I don't know if you uh, have been watching it all, um, and if you haven't, it's no big deal, but uh, uh, they were trying to make a big deal out of two things yesterday politically. Uh, one was uh, a woman from Michigan who um, uh, is now a newly elected representative uh she who wants to wants to get sworn in over the Quran? no this was the Quran thing they, they've jumped right to they, that she um she said as far as president trump goes she goes we're gonna impeach that motherfucker so uh yeah, so uh they're trying to make that she said motherfucker yeah they're trying to make I, 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 what i what i like is that trump one thing you gotta give trump credit for is he's broken all the barriers people that have gotten upset Overheard this innocuous language yeah. that, that for years people have found. Uh, oh, it's it's a profanity and it's so upsetting. And then all of a sudden it's like that. Yeah, the president talks about that. The president, nobody cares anymore. We heard it on the news every day. It, it, it might as well, the FCC might as well just go, you can say whatever you want now. Because I heard a senator the other day say shit. Uh, yeah. That's a bunch of bullshit. I heard Lindsey Graham. Um, you know, they're saying motherfucker. It, finally, we're talking like humans instead of these censored, um, you know, pedantic fools. And um, so good for her saying motherfucker. Now the, you but, know, the, the, but go ahead. But dumb, cho- dumb choice to try to impeach the guy because you'll never get it through the Senate. You need two thirds of the Senate. You're not going to get it. So why waste the time? I agree. Like, uh, uh, you're absolutely right. The, um, the Senate's uh, makeup will not change until 2020, if it does change. 
do you think symbolically to um, the house should uh, well, um, you, symbol- you're- sim- symbolically you're showing how dumb you can be because he's symbolically trying to build a wall for yeah, symbols okay. and it just shows what a what an idiot he is so you're being an idiot trying to teach him when you should worry about winning an election for once you know what I uh, I believe that you and I are in total agreement I know that there's uh, other people who have different opinions there will be um, there will be a plethora of hearings held in the uh, house of course uh, to um, counteract that certain Republicans United States Senator talk, talking about opening up the Clinton email investigation again so the question is should it be any investigations at all or just let Robert Mueller do his gig it's funny I uh, I saw Vice last night the movie Vice yes yeah they, it was the very the, the very end they discussed how um, all of those emails that were basically unchanged private were lost and it's like if we're going to go after Clinton, let's go after Cheney, too. Let's say, hey, let's open it all up. In fact, all these people in power are all doing, you know, illegal activity behind our backs because they're corrupted by power. Let's get them all. I'm fine with that. But you're not. You know, people are just partisan, and it's all about let's get him, let's get you. Get them all. Get them all. Round them all up. Take them down. You know, I, we saw the movie, uh, my, uh, my wife and I, who's here, she's one of the producers of the show. Um, and there were two takes that I had from it. And one was uh, how cool, wouldn't you think it's cool, Eddie, that uh, if they were going to make a movie about your life, they called you up and go, Eddie, uh, we're going to make a movie about your life. You know who's playing you? Christian Bale. You go, great. Not, no, <laughs> not no reason to gain 50 pounds to play you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're going to put him in makeup five hours a day to make him look as horrendous as you look. <laughs> Batman is going to play you. Batman's going to play you. Yeah, yeah he's, he's not exactly going to look like Bat- Batman. Batman's training to be you. <laughs> what do you mean he's training? Well, right now he's on his sixth milkshake for the day. <laughs> you know, and the other, the other take that I, I took from it was there wasn't anything. In, well, oh, here's the uh, three things, but tell me if you agree with this. Think about this. Uh, I like Adam McKay. I like what he does. I like what he did with uh, uh, Moneyball. I had read the book, and I thought he did a great job. Moneyball was a difficult book to write to make the financial collapse understandable and fun to read about. Uh, Adam McKay did a great job with the movie. But it looked like he basically took the template of the movie Goodfellas and then overlaid Dick Cheney all the way to the end where he turns around and talks straight to the camera. Other movies have done this before. But the way they laid it out was almost like Goodfellas. It was like um, it was mm. like an ode to Martin Scorsese. I, ne- I never, I never thought of that. I, uh, I've watched Goodfellas. I just, ne- I wasn't able to piece it together. I see that happen a lot. And I think it's, you know, people were influenced by other people. I watched uh, uh, what was that? What was that? Uh, Wes Anderson film where about the family with Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson. Oh, uh, Tannenbaums. Yeah, yeah, real Tannenbaums. I watched it and it was it was the Hotel New Hampshire. Yeah, it was just a, a complete, you know. And I thought, oh, he's a genius, really. Is he a genius, or was he, you know? Like, let's give credit to where credit's due. Let's go. Let's go to the original genius. You know who does that? I think it was John Irving. Yeah. Um, you know who does this is um, musicians will do that. I, I heard Keith Richards one time, and they go, they go, how did you, you know, become? He goes. He goes, look, I just uh, listened to Chuck Berry and just stole everything from Chuck Berry because what if for Chuck Berry, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd be, you know. But, it, but, at least, but at least they admit it. You know, I hear these comedians all the time try to stay so pious and 
Yes. You know, all about thievery and everything. And it's like, you can take any comic and realize that they're derivative of someone else because we're all, without even knowing it, subconsciously influenced by other people. And it might not be another comedian. It might be somebody funny in your life. That, that is important that you say that. Your, your father or your mother or a friend. Yeah. I, mean, I see it in the way I say things at different times. And it's maybe an amalgamation of like my friends and my upbringing and my, my diction and my uh, the tone of my voice and inflections that I get from you know, growing up in Pittsburgh and my friends back there and the way we said things. And so, so all these comics and all these people that make art, it's not like these ideas automatically just pop into your brain. There are reference points and, and things that you experience. So, so yes, I can see how um, Goodfellas might have had, it took a long time to get to this, but I can see how Adam McKay could be influenced by that. Yeah. And, uh, and you guys, I, Go ahead. Did you see Did you see Secession? Yeah, yeah. That's that's great. I love that show. Yeah. So um, you know, I want to I want to spin back to what you're talking about a little bit. You know, there's a, a tape of Lenny Bruce, and I have I have like tons of Lenny Bruce tapes, um, uh, and I have I have his albums. But uh, when I started out, someone gave me a ton of his tapes, um, uh, and he's saying he goes, look, he goes, um, I, I don't live in a vacuum. He was talking about what he talks about. And for some reason, in, in rock music uh, in particular, uh, they will uh, honor their influences. Held up Elton John. You know what? I don't think anybody ever listened to Elton John and went, wow, I hear a lot of Leon Russell there. But later in life, <laughs> Elton John went, if it wasn't for Leon Russell, I'd have never taken up the piano. And when Leon, who was uh, such a stunning performer and such a, an important part of... Uh, uh, American pop and rock music in the 60s and 70s uh, was later in life. And in Ill, Elton John said, you need to hear this guy, you know, and brought, and brought him forward. But in our business, in comedy, you're right. There's so many people that want to go, well, no, I'm just, what I do is just pure. To go, No, it's not pure. You know, it does come from somewhere. And some people my, go, my, go ahead. My manager, my old manager said to me one time uh, about David Tell because I came up in the comedy cellar and um, in New York City. Sure. And he said, never never has there been a guy that has been so uh, not uh, like world famous that has influenced more comedians, where every comedian that was working in the New York comedy cellar would watch Dave Attell and think to themselves, I want to be that guy. Like, I want to tell jokes like him. I want to be as brilliant as him. And you can see it. You can see it in a lot of the comedians that came up to the comedy cellar that they've all been derivative of David Tell. Sure. And myself included. Myself included that I I was very influenced by his style, by his not giving a fuck, by his um, you know, edginess and whatever it was, you know, that he had, it was it was, you know, you're enamored of it and you can't help but 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 then let it influence your comedy. So, you know, as far as these guys think you know the most original things in the world, they're not. You know, I had the opportunity, once again, years ago, I got an emergency call at the last minute. Uh, Lewis Black and David Tell were playing uh, the Celebrity Theater, which is a 5,000-seat house here in Phoenix. And uh, the opening act was um, Mitch Hedberg, who uh, couldn't make it. Wow. Uh, and I got an emergency call when I go in and do uh, 15 minutes or so. And I'm, gonna, I'm going, are you advertising Hedberg? Because I'm not going to... 
I'm not walking into that buzzsaw. And they said, no, man, right. they're not even advertising this. Part. So I went down there, you know, and, and I met I met Lewis uh, and I met uh, Dave and uh, off stage, uh, gracious, kind of serious. He was the guy who was running. He was producing that thing. You know, you, I'm talking to the managers and I'm talking to the people that run the room. And, and Dave comes up and goes, all right, who are you? You know, wasn't like, all right, who are you? Some local guy, you know, gracious, biz, but business like, here's what we need. Here's what we're going to do. Can you do that? And, and I was only supposed to do up front. And then he goes, and will you stick around between, you know, uh, Lewis and I? And, um, and then walked out on stage and had the ability to say, he was freaked out because there was a couple of uh, um, uh, midgets in the front row. And he went, fuck, I talk about midgets. And now there's midgets in the front row. This is starting to happen a lot. But <laughs> he, he went. Yeah. It's just starting to happen a lot. Yeah. He went out and, and he did his thing, and people, you know, he and Lewis both. So he was a big influence. And what's good, I think, about Dave, sometimes the, um, the pioneer, the one who everybody's going, I want to be like that guy, they don't get their due. But at least in his case, um, you know, not a movie career, not a sitcom, but where do you, how do you put that in? Uh, you can't put him in a sitcom. You can certainly put him in movies. But he's certainly uh, he's got his just, due. He, 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 he's getting what he wants. Like, he might bitch because that's what he does. But he, he is where he wants to be. And he is, he'll always be known. I mean, like, if you polled 100 comedians right now and said, who's your favorite comedian? 99 of them are going to say him. So, yeah. you know, he's a living legend. He's, he's the best living comedian, in my opinion. No one, no one comes close to him. You know, and, uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like the fact that he's not selling out arenas. I mean, look, if I was him, I wouldn't want to sell out arenas. I wouldn't want to perform. If money's not your object, um, why perform in those big venues? Like, you know, maintain, maintain the, 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 the integrity of the art form and do it in clubs like he does, which is great. But, I mean, if you're alive right now and you've never seen David Tell live, punch yourself in the face. And yeah. buy a ticket to whenever he comes to wherever you are because it's the best thing you'll ever see. Now, let me ask you this, because prior to him, uh, one that I know personally, there was a, a major influence on uh, 80s comedy. And I mean, on people who then went on to become very, very big, uh, including, oddly enough, I read Martin Lawrence. And you wouldn't see it. Well, like Elton John and Leon Russell, you wouldn't have seen this guy on Martin Lawrence. But I read an interview and they go, they said, who was your biggest influence? And he said, my biggest influence, I met him uh, when I was in Washington, D.C., was Rick Scheidner. And then Rick Scheidner was a huge influence on Tim Allen, Jeff Foxworthy, and so many people. So, and he does well. He's still working. And, uh, you know, and he's written a couple of books and, and, right, and right, he tours. Right. Uh, but he didn't become, it was the people he influenced that became bigger than he, him. Sure. Uh, Jeff hired him at one point, and uh, Jeff's only Grammy... Um, Grammy-nominated comedy album was uh, was co-written with Rich, so it's interesting to watch that. Who do you think has become bigger than Dave? Who was influenced by Dave, or would you have that off the top of your head? Um, bigger than Dave that's been influenced was Louis Jezelnik. Jezelnik, probably Anthony Jezelnik, but I don't think he's bigger than Dave. In a way, he is. You know, he's he's more TV friendly. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, it's hard to say who's been influenced. I mean, you can see it in some guys. I don't want to name names of guys that you can sure. see that are completely derivative of them. But, uh, you know, I just know we all, he's, 
you know, when I was coming up to the comedy cellar, he was like everyone's idol and it still is. And I go back there to work and he's there. He's the guy everybody goes in the room to watch. I thought it was Rich Voss. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> I love I love Rich Voss. Isn't he a great guy? He's a great the guy. Best. Now, um, I was going to talk actually about, um, Alexandria Cortez. Um, that's a political thing. I don't know if you've seen this. Where, because I, I got a, I, then I got a comedy question that you may or may not want to answer. But so let me ask you about: uh, Have you seen uh, the uh, the uh, controversy they've they've tried to drum up in such a pathetic fashion about Alexandria Cortez? They found a video of her in college. God help us! What I would you say? Attention, Alexandria Cortez, um, the, of her dancing on a rooftop. And uh, right-wing sites tried to make a uh, big deal out of this. And she's just, I mean, I'm at the age where I can look at her because it was college where she was as cute as a bug. You just see a young girl dance on a rooftop. She's imitating the Ali Sheedy's dance from The Breakfast Club and then doing a bunch of other stuff. And they tried to blow this up into a controversy and it got shut down quickly on Twitter sites when they're showing it. go, here, this is your new leader. And then they started putting up pictures of uh, Donald Trump's uh, modeling his wife's modeling pictures going, yeah, well, this is yours. So have you seen yeah. this? Do you have any thoughts on this? No, I haven't seen it, but I, you know, like this, he said, she said, or she did, he did. Uh, in the past, we're all human beings and we're all fallible and we all, we all live a life that it's a private life. And, you know, when politicians were started, this was a part-time job. You know, you were, you were donating your time to the state to help out and assist in government. I don't know when it became this point where we were all supposed to be these like pious individuals that, that, that never failed, that never did anything wrong. And I think it's just, the Democrats are just so upset about Trump. They're so upset about that someone that could be such a lascivious piece of shit is <laughs> the, the leader of their country. So they're like, we have to find, like, I get it. I get it, but they don't get, this is what they don't get, that the Republicans are just going, look, we don't care. We've got to get our judges in there. It's all about our ideology. We're just going to stay, like no one else is going to win. We just keep with this as long as we can change the structure of the courts as much as possible and go as long as we can until this thing falls apart. And the Democrats are just beating their heads against the wall. And then... But it turned this whole thing into, you know, like pointing fingers, movements. Like in the meantime, I believe developed most of them out of a batch, you know, and now it's like he did this and it's just becoming, well, everybody's in a glass house and everybody's throwing stones. I just lost you. Yep. That's why I just like this. Hey, I'm a giant glass house. Please don't break the windows. <laughs> Listen, um, um, we're starting to have a little. Um, man, I would I would talk to you for an entire hour. Uh, we're starting to have a, a couple of uh, uh, transmission issues here, and I apologize for that. But um, I've enjoyed this conversation. I enjoy talking to you. Uh, I think always that, fun talking to you. I think that you're uh, uh, you're a perfect example of uh, when I tell people, I go, you don't realize how uh, seriously comics weigh so many things to be able to come up as funny, be as funny as they are. You're a perfect example of that. So. Uh, we're so glad you're back in Phoenix. If uh, He said that if you haven't seen David Tell, you should punch yourself in the face. I won't go so far, but I will say this. If you don't see Eddie If this weekend, 
you should um, you should knee yourself somewhere near your groin, not your actual groin. But you know, <laughs> you know. I appreciate it. <laughs> All right, thank you, Eddie. We'll see you this weekend at Rick Bronson's House of Comedy. All right, see you All right. guys. All right, bye bye. <laughs> well, that was a, that was a good interview. That was a, that was a great interview. I'm I'm glad that we uh, did that. that. That was Eddie Ift. Eddie Ift is at. Rick Bronson's House of Comedy this weekend. Two shows Friday, two shows Saturday, one show Sunday. And let me say this: oftentimes on the weekend, uh, we are uh, we are torn. We are we are we are we're so torn inside because we're producing a show, and we try to tell people since we're usually doing one show a weekend, and we're doing an early show, a seven thirty show, and then we tell people come see our show, then run down to Rick's. We're not doing a show this weekend, so. You have no excuse. You can, I'm going to see Tony's show. Uh, you have no excuse this weekend. Uh, hightail it to down or up, depending on geographically where you are. Um, to Rick Bronson's House of Com- Comedy, 5350 East High Street. And uh, check out Eddie Ift, who is a wonderful guy, a wonderful guy, intelligent guy. I'm so glad that he, his house in Malibu didn't burn. So many uh, people lost... Uh, you know what? And, and you lost, uh, we all lost a little piece of paradise when that part of Southern California burned the way it did. We had certainly family members in Thousand Oaks who had to mandatorily evacuate. Uh, homes that Shirley and I have uh, stayed in were mandatorily evacuated. Um, the, uh, the, at the very least, the emotional toll that those types of fires take on individuals in the community are stunning. So glad that Eddie's house was spared. Uh, so that means that he is fully intact to entertain you at Rick's. Uh, easy to get tickets, easy to, to be able to access the site. It's uh, either azhouseofcomedy.net or houseofcomedy.net. You'll thank me. Once you go there, you'll thank me for suggesting you go there. Cool club, great vibe, wonderful, delicious food. Uh, they have signature cocktails. It's, you know, that's uh that's a new generation's concept, but a cool concept non- nonetheless. Uh, signature cocktails uh, and uh, always great comics. They work very hard. They have a really unique vibe. In in an era where so much uh, stand up comedy is either in small, it's like it's like the middle is gone. Stand up comedy is either done uh, in bars that are not designed for comedy by young or new comics that are that are uh, fighting their way to recognition, or in big box. Uh, uh, big box uh, uh, um, uh, buildings that uh, could just as easily um, store tires. Uh, Rick's Club is a comedy club designed by a comic for comics with the audience in mind. So I want you to check that out. You'll be glad that you did. I didn't ask him who was on the show with him, but uh, I certainly would like to know. I know that uh, even though we're not producing or promoting a show this week, uh, there's still... Do not despair. There's still comedy to do. Uh, you are listening to This American Podcast Comedy Edition on ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. That's ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. Uh, easy to find, easy to use. Just uh, type it into your browser. If you're listening, you know. But that's it for today, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I want to thank you for listening. Uh, that's it. That's all. Bye-bye.